In episode 7 of the Supercharged Podcast, we begin the second half of our first season with one of our dear friends, functional medicine doctor, and one of the most brilliant minds we have the honor of knowing, Dr. Michelle Vander Westhuizen. Dr. Michelle writes as part of her story, the psychology behind health is so interesting. What does it take for someone to decide it's time to make a change? For many, including myself, it means getting to the lowest of the lows before we have the courage to modify our lifestyle and make the tough decision to take control of our health. But what if we didn't have to get to the lowest of the lows before we take control of our own health? What if we were given the support, tools, and resources to make those powerful life-altering changes now? In this podcast, we talk about what functional medicine is and how it compares to allopathic medicine, why you may consider choosing a functional medicine doctor, the role of the gut and why it is so crucial to your overall health, the vagus nerve, the impact stress and toxins have on our health and symptoms that may manifest as a result, and of course, practical tools and supplements you can start with to take control of your health right now, plus so much more. Join us for a refreshing deep dive into your health with Dr. Michelle as she provides clarity on how fascinating our body really is and what will ultimately guide or hinder you towards optimal health. We really hope you enjoy this time with Dr. Michelle. We always, always do. We are so lucky to have Dr. Michelle here with us today. Um, We are sitting in her beautiful clinic in Calgary. And if you haven't been here before, you just need to come for an architectural tour. We absolutely love it here. But what we love most is that we get to have some of Dr. Michelle's precious time um, to dive into all things functional medicine, the gut, how it pertains to all of your other systems, and some of the ways that you can consider healing this really important vital function body organ in your body. So, um, Dr. Michelle, we can't thank you enough for being here with us today. Um, this woman knows the body inside and out and yeah, one of Calgary's best functional doctors for sure. Hands down. Canada's best functional doctors, hands down. Um, so why don't we start, I think best place, obviously your story, what led you to functional medicine and yeah, we'll get into like the importance of it. Awesome. Thanks for having me guys. Um, I'll probably yeah start with just telling my story and how I got into it. Um, like most other functional medical doctors, we sort of get into it because either a family member's been ill or we've personally been ill, and, and for me it was I, that I got ill. Um, so really I've been interested in functional medicine for about five years. Um, first started out actually working in uh, and, and growing up in Cape Town and studying in Cape Town, South Africa, um, where I did my conventional medical training. And yeah, and then I sort of worked in the conventional medical field doing, working crazy hours, doing emergency shifts, uh, obstetrics, all the, all the stuff that, that we all start out doing. And uh, yeah, I actually started getting a little bit burnt out there already. Um, and yeah, I got an opportunity, knew a few people living in Canada, so I just decided to take the leap and move over here and uh, try something new. And yeah, within probably about three months of being in Canada, I started to get really, really sick. Um, I uh, started to get, yeah, basically fatigue, anxiety, not sleeping well, gastrointestinal symptoms like the works and just really being in the conventional system. I uh, sort of couldn't think of anything in the conventional system that was uh, describing like what was going on with me. So um, I never actually went to a conventional doctor, interestingly. I just started to explore uh, and look for other answers. I just knew that that the, that, uh, the medicine that I knew wasn't going to help me. Um, and so, yeah, I stumbled across functional medicine basically online and 
I found a place that uh, the Institute for Functional Medicine that that uh, really looked like a good place to start and I booked my first course and within three months I was like full on into it <laughs> and uh, yeah from that I was just that first week that I did um, with functional medicine it was like after that I could just never never look back it was like this this is kind of what almost what I've been looking for yeah, and absolutely. didn't know it um, yeah and and then and then eventually with functional medicine got got some guidance and help and started to heal myself and yeah and got to a place where I'm functional and carry on with my career and all that kind of stuff but um yeah it's, obviously it's so health, is, health is like a work in progress and yeah still, still getting on with it but, always yeah so what for someone who has never heard of functional medicine before and they're thinking what on earth is that I've got my family doctor and that kind of thing mm -hmm. what is there a like a major difference between like your family practitioner your the medical system the conventional medicine system as opposed to the function functional medicine. Yeah, it's that it is almost like night and day. Mm -hmm. um, functional is like the, the way I would describe it is is root cause medicine. So we're looking for what is that like underlying cause that actually has gotten you sick. Um, health is not just in in many cases we blame genetics for health. It's right. like oh I've got diabetes because it's genetics. Mm -hmm. um, but when you look deeper, there's almost going to always be. Uh, usually more than one underlying cause. So, um, in the con in conventional medicine, you would if if you had a whole list of different symptoms, you'd probably end up seeing maybe five or six specialists um, for different things. Um, functional medicine is almost looking it's looking at like systems biology, we call it. So, um, looking at different systems in the body, like the gastrointestinal hormones, energy, um, th those kinds of things. It, we see health really as like a web. So each of these different things are going to always interconnect. So if, for example, you've got an immune system issue, we're always going to look at the gut. Um, we're always going to look at toxicity. Um, and so it really just pulls it together mm -hmm. so that you're not trying to pick away at different symptoms. You're actually uh, treating the whole body. Yeah. And we use different um, modalities for that. So we do use some things that naturopathic medicine would use, but we don't like to we don't like to call functional medicine alternative medicine because it's mm. not it's it's science based sure. it's it's just good medicine actually it's just it's just yeah. good. It's we just would good agree yeah. why what do you think right now is like a barrier to more people more practices more functional medicine practices or more i don't know people that are involved in this field seeing seeing doctors like you is it a cost barrier is it an information barrier Right yeah. Now. Yeah. So I think I mean number one, like a lot of people don't even know what functional medicine is, mm -hmm. and you hear the term, and it's it doesn't it's not really self-explanatory yeah, in the term. True. Um, and uh, yeah. So I mean, there is there's more and more stuff on, online now when you it's easier to stumble across it. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people once they've found it, they maybe don't know what to do with that information, mm -hmm. or they try lots of different things and they're not working, and then they kind of lose hope. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little bit difficult to find a practitioner sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and the practitioners actually, there's more around than you would think, but a lot of, because of, um, the structure of our medical system, it's not an easy type of medicine to practice mm. within the system. So a lot of practitioners might be trained, but they might not actually be practicing it. Yeah. Um, which is a pity. And then, uh, yeah, the third thing I guess is cost cause, um, it's, uh, insurance isn't going to always cover the mm -hmm. testing. Um, more and more actually we are seeing people being able to get coverage, but, um, yeah, the cost is, is a difficult thing. And that's something that we like, we have 
sort of uh, we're hoping in the future to be able to get people that can't afford it to be able to at least get some information and education mm -hmm. by doing like group teaching and mm, workshops yeah. and that kind of stuff. I think like you mentioned people having that view of oh it's genetics and that kind of thing which of course like pieces of our health are um, genetic but it's just so interesting because functional medicine really allows people to take control of their own health mm -hmm. and um, when we're passing off something as genetic it really takes the onus off of us and maybe for some people it's easier to do that than to take a look at what you can be responsible for mm -hmm. and actually empower yourself with that that can be a really scary thing to reflect and see what you can change in your life it's not a quick fix it's not yeah. a band-aid yeah um, it's not just a pill that you pop and magically you're good to go so you guys have at the clinic these seven nodes you call it of um, what you're looking at with the mind body spirit um, like immune balance energy and gut health which you mentioned brain power hormones, detox, and heart, but today we really wanted to focus on gut health, which is going to really cover everything because yeah. it is a web. Yeah. Um, why is the gut so important? That's a, that's a, big, that's a huge <laughs> that's, question, yeah. Like, how does everything come back to our gut? It's just really amazing that this one system that we think of as like, oh, I'm digesting my food, everything comes back to it. Yeah, it really does, and like, the, the gut is the window to all health, and uh yeah, Hippocrates, like the father of medicine, said that like mm. it was back in like 400 BC or something. And um, actually, if you look in the history of medicine, like up until probably the 20th century, like that was still kind of common belief. And then somewhere we lost it. Like we, we I mean, we, the whole era of medications and antibiotics saved millions of lives. Um, but that got us sort of to this like quick fix kind of medicine, mm -hmm. like yeah. a pill can fix everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you look back to the gut, if you think of the gut as sort of like an open tube to the outside world, it's really like one self layer thick that's protecting us from everything on the outside. And um, the gut, actually, we call it the the second brain because we've got like 80% of our serotonin and neurotransmitters are produced there. And it's also the second liver because there's a lot of detox processes that happen in the gut. Um, and then it's also a huge part of the immune system. So we, um, you know, the microbiome, all of the good bacteria that sit in the gut, those are basically communicating to um, the whole system all the time. So whatever signals they're getting, they're going to send that to other systems and the systems are going to respond. Um, and we've also just got a, a huge amount of our immune system just across that one cell layer barrier, a cell layer barrier that's, um, that's basically responding to anything that's, yeah, that's coming in. Um, the problem comes when that gut integrity is lost. Um, that's when we, we start to see systemic symptoms from it. Yeah. So it's, it's, and that can really happen at any age, right? It's not like, oh, I've turned 40 and now my guts are not. Like, there's a systemic problem. Like, it can happen to little kids, too. And you're seeing clients or clients of all patients, ages. Yeah, patients. yeah. We're seeing, yeah, we're seeing, I mean, um, yeah, I, I also do still have a family practice. So I see lots of lots of kids and the amount of uh, like allergies and gut health and immune issues and um, autism, ADHD, all those things are actually all we can look back to the gut for, for that. And that's actually the foundational place that we start for most things. And um, 
even in our most complex patients, we, we always say when we were confused as a practitioner, always go back to the gut because mm-hmm. you're always going to make progress yeah. if you go there first. Well, such like you mentioned, like such a array of um, impacts on the body. How with like such a simple, like really simple knowledge, like starting with the gut, how is this not more of a founding principle on all medicine? Like why isn't this crossing over to Western where it's like, why don't we look at the gut too? Like this mm-hmm. is an obvious thing versus a pill and maybe the answer is that pills are business too like that's a, a huge huge industry um but why isn't it that's 17 podcasts in and of itself <laughs> well yeah the industry of drugs but I think why isn't it that simple why isn't it everyone understanding like okay I should look at healing my children let's look at their gut I should look at healing myself let's look at what my diet is like why isn't where where is that being lost um, it's it's being lost in medical school training. Like it's just not there. Um, even like nutrition. Like I probably had two hours of nutrition throughout six years of med school. Right. Um, so it's just not at that foundational level. I, I mean, it is. I know like a lot of the universities in the in uh, the United States now are starting to bring more of this stuff into mm. university programs. Um, and I think it's a matter of time before it happens more. But yeah, we're just not being taught it. Like um, I think. If my life had taken a different route, maybe I wouldn't have stumbled across this and I, I could have been mm, sitting yeah. here not knowing anything about yeah. the gut. Um, yeah, yeah, but you're like, like quest, I, in your um, bio on your website, Lex and I both picked up on it, that one of your greatest passions in life is to help people he- help themselves. And I think that's just, I don't know, it speaks so loudly to giving the power back to your patients to being like, we can do this. You can do this. Like mm-hmm. this is a constant search for education and learning mm-hmm. and, and you have to be in it. Yeah, definitely. So when they come in to see you, someone has all of these symptoms going on, um, they're not really sure where to start. You guys do uh, a consultation, and then you do do some blood work, right? So same as if they went to a conventional medicine doctor, yeah. you'd be looking at blood work. What are some of the other things that uh, you're looking for? Yeah, so I mean, the most important thing for us, our first consult is about 80 minutes, and and that's all history. We we're mm. trying to, we we're looking at like, we literally have a timeline that we plot everything that's happened, even your your genetics and heritage, mm-hmm. how, what your mom's health was before you were born, what was your birth like, what was your, your feeding like, antibiotics throughout life. So from that, we can actually start to pick up patterns, and that's where we make, we make most of our decisions from. I just want to point this out, 80 minutes. 80, 80 minutes, minutes yeah. people get to spend with you. Like, mm-hmm. you don't get that when you walk into, a, like, you know, quote-unquote normal clinic. 80 minutes, that's an insane amount of time to learn about someone and take that time to actually get that background, and that's so important. Yeah, it's va- it's so valuable, and I mean, I think from practicing, practicing GP like I do and functional, mm-hmm. it's just, it's incredible the difference in what you get from that time, like just allowing space for people to actually tell their story, mm. um, which you wouldn't ever get in 15 minutes. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, trying to get people out the door so you can see the next person. It's just reality. And I reality. think 15 is generous. Like, I don't, I don't ever remember, I remember waiting 15 minutes, but not actually seeing somebody yeah. for 15. So after mm-hmm. that initial consult, then you're looking at uh, blood tests. Yeah, so we do blood, we do, we basically, uh, we wanted to get um, a full picture of everything through blood work, but then depending on what your issue is, then we would uh, prioritize different functional tests as well. So we might do uh, gut testing, which looks at um, inflammation in the gut, it looks at how well are you absorbing your food, Uh, it looks at those good bugs in the gut and whether Mm -hmm. you've got overgrowth in the gut, so it gives us a really full picture. Um, we do a lot of like food sensitivity testing, which kind of overlaps with the gut stuff. 
Um, we do more advanced testing for hormones like salivary panels and, and urine panels. Uh, and then we can test everything from uh, chronic infections to neurotransmitters. There's just there's a there's a huge amount of testing that we can mm-hmm. um, pick from depending on what you're, you're so going amazing. through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so can we going back to the gut? Um, kind of a hot term in my circles, anyway. <laughs> uh, is the vagus nerve and <laughs> what is the vagus nerve and what's its importance and role? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that, actually, because, yeah, when we're uh, trying to kind of teach people um, about gut healing and healing the gut, um, that's sort of like the number one, um, just because, so, so the vagus nerve is basically, um, it's a nerve that, that comes down and um, controls organ function, and um, it's the rest and digest nerve, so mm-hmm. that's, we have, uh, our nervous system's kind of got roughly like two sides to it. Um, one is the fight, fight or flight, and that's sympathetic. So that's when we're when you're stressed out, when you're running away from a tiger. That's that's mm-hmm. the, the, the the nervous system that's going to be really heightened. Um, and then we've got the kind of rest and digest parasympathetic, which is vagus nerve. That's what calms everything down. Um, it's called rest and digest for a reason. So you're gonna your gut's gonna function much better when mm-hmm. when it's um, more when you've got more of that uh, rest and digest parasympathetic. Um, but in many cases, we're we're kind of in that chronic stre- um, stress, like fight or flight, um, these days, just because of uh, life stress, and then also like internal stress that mm-hmm. can be like gut stress and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so um, yeah, so basically, in a nutshell, the vagus nerve, if if it's not functioning very well, the gut isn't going to function well. So you're not going to be able to make your digestive um, enzymes. Your stomach acid can get suppressed from that. Um, actually, it, your even your microbiome can be affected by it. Um, peristalsis, which is how we move through food through the gut, that slows down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the gut really shuts down. And so m- with people being in that chronic stress all the time, our guts are that's one of the big reasons why our guts are shutting down. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we find is like if you can give people all sorts of supplements and gut healing and all this stuff, but unless you actually work on that first, you're going to keep having the same issue over and over. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. Um, so what do you, what are some of the things that you might, aside from the supplements and that kind of thing, for stress, if that's like a huge key factor uh, mm-hmm. in someone's life, they're always in that sympathetic nervous system, what would be some of the tips? I think a lot of people can relate mm-hmm. in our society that they are really living in that uh, sympathetic nervous system. Yeah. What are some of the first go-tos? Yeah, so I mean, I think a lot of it is about like looking at your life and reframing certain things because like we're, yeah, you can you can say, oh, my work is stressful and I have this and that to do, but it's really all about priority at the end of the day. Um, so setting aside relaxation time mm-hmm. in your day, um, making uh, making something like, like breath work or meditation part of your day as well is, is huge. So if you think of the vagus nerve as a, uh, like a muscle almost, you want to, the more you you do to train it the more it's going to work better so if you're doing meditation breathing um deep belly breaths that kind of stuff every day that that'll help um you can train the vagus nerve actually through some physical maneuvers so Mm. actually like gargling water until you're like tearing out of the eyes that's Mm -hmm. the vagus nerve working um sort of gagging yourself with your toothbrush that's the vagus (laughs) nerve working Um, date night things you can do yeah (laughs) yeah um, so yeah, those kinds of things also work really well. And then, um, we do use lots of different techniques. Um, things like acupuncture work excellent okay. for the vagus nerve. 
Um, we use neurofeedback for some people, which is where we do brain mapping and, and then kind of calm the brain down with, um, with certain signals. Um, yeah, and then just uh, getting out into nature too, hey? Like, we just don't have enough of no. that, especially with our, our climate. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, all of those things can definitely help. Yeah, mm -hmm. and getting out into nature, like, that doesn't cost anything. And yeah. We really, as a society, I think, wear that badge of honor of, like, my schedule is so busy and I have no time to relax. And really, it's, um, we can't underestimate the importance of setting aside that time for meditation or relaxing or whatever that mm -hmm. gagging yourself with your toothbrush, <laughs> with your toothbrush yeah. yeah do you do that um i was doing it for a while i think <laughs> and then, and then I, now i've forgotten to do it yeah well now you're reminded yeah, you're yeah, 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 probably like 10 stars you're okay yeah so once you've like okay address like the stress factors in your life like is diet the next step or what is another step of like helping to heal the gut yeah, so I think diet is the next best thing to start with just because, like, yeah, we're eating at least three times a day. And so the, the food choices that we make just have a huge impact on our overall health. Mm -hmm. um, so starting with, with um, we, we usually start people just on a general anti-inflammatory diet, which is taking out inflammatory foods like, uh, you know, trans fats and hydrogenated oils, uh, taking out refined sugar, um, making sure, if anything, that you're getting – um, a big, large amount of vegetables and fruits. So those phytonutrients that come in, those are like essential for all of our um, functions. Um, and then um, making sure that where you can organic as far as possible. Mm. So um, that's difficult. And, you know, a lot of people say cost is an, an issue. It's something well worth spending your money on though, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, the chemicals that we see on our foods those are directly affecting our microbiome mm -hmm. and and um, our hormone systems and our immune function. We're just bombarded with a lot of that um, stuff that we that didn't even exist 50 or 60 years ago we were yeah. having to deal with. Yeah. And washing really doesn't even do it justice. It's if you are buying non-organic washing. Yeah, no washing. Yeah, because it's actually if you think like those pesticide residues are actually right in the they're in the, the, in green, the body in of green, the fruit. Yeah, they're right in in there. So. Yeah, the the, um, the Dirty Dozen is a great list to go by. That's You can access that on ewg.org. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really like the 12 fruits and vegetables that either eat them organic or just don't eat them at all because they're mm -hmm. really high. So, yeah, that's, a, that's always a good place to start. Um, Are there any things in that, in an elimination diet that people may be able to, once they feel their gut and that kind of thing, that they may be able to introduce back in? Or is it something that, like everybody should be on this anti-inflammatory diet and yeah so it's um that that depends and we always like to individualize but as a kind of starting point um anti-inflammatory and then sometimes we, in many cases we do an elimination diet which is taking out uh the eight top allergens that usually cause issues for people so it's it's gluten dairy um soy egg nuts um shellfish and then for some people beef is an issue too mm. so we have this kind of reset diet that you do and then depending on what's going on with you, we sometimes would then transition into um, other types of either gut-specific diets or heart-specific diets. Uh, but in, in most cases, like the, our aim is to try heal the gut to the point where you can tolerate most things. Mm. Um, there are certain foods like gluten and dairy, which are there's a huge genetic component that if we know that you're sensitive genetically, um, it's just a matter of time that you'll have issues from it. So in many cases, we keep that out. Mm. Yeah. 
And do you guys do the um, the gluten testing here? Is that something that you can, if someone suspects that they are intolerant yeah. or celiac, they can come? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there are. Uh, you can test for celiac through through Calgary Labs. Um, it's uh, it's a blood test, but it's it's not all that sensitive. Like your gut's got to be pretty ripped up before you get a high level. Right. So in in our sickest patients, we don't always trust that one, and then we kind of take it a step further. Mm -hmm. So we've got lots of different lab panels that will look at gluten in more detail. Mm. How often do you have patients saying, uh, "I'll do this elimination diet, but I can't give up this one thing"? Is it is that a common conversation? Like, no, you have to give up that cheese you love having with your wine on Friday night. Like, yeah, it's, with the wine. Give up the wine too. and the wine. <laughs> yeah, the wine too. Yeah, yeah. It's that is actually very, very common. Yeah, it's it's a it is a huge. It shakes up your life when you've yeah. got to change your diet. But at the end of the day, it's like if you're looking to getting healthier, that's sometimes those things have to happen. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but people have to be ready for it. So. We're, we're not all about saying, like, do this or you're not going to get better. It's like we try to meet you where you're at. Mm -hmm. And if you have to have your dairy for a little while, that's fine. And hopefully eventually we can <laughs> kind of convince you otherwise. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what do you do with the patients? I mean, I think maybe we're jumping around with questions here. We can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> we both have our list. But for the patients yeah. that are like, I'm – I am managing my stress. I meditate for 25 minutes in the morning. I exercise. I'm eating a healthy diet. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still, I still have chronic IBS or I have anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like what? Obviously there's more and you touched on like the gen genetic versus environment piece, but mm -hmm. how, like where do they start and how do they get confidence in being like, this isn't just something that I am going to be living with for the rest of my life. Like how do they find that one little answer? And is it just more and more testing? Yeah, it doesn't necessarily always have to be testing. Like I've I've definitely put people onto gut healing uh, protocols without doing the testing, and, and some people bounce back really quickly, and obviously people with more complex issues don't. Mm -hmm. So yeah, sometimes especially for people that have been battling for years, it, it is worth spending the money and getting the test done, and let's just like treat what's going on with you as mm -hmm. opposed to just messing around with things. Um, but yeah, I think the basics. I mean, you're managing stress, you're cleaning up your diet. Um, toxicity is another huge one and that's often a reason why people you know you get get sick for no apparent reason it's mm -hmm. because you we're being exposed to all these toxins we're breathing toxins we're drinking toxins in our water it's on our food it's on, in our cosmetics and our cleaning products and all that stuff so actually even just cleaning that up can make a massive difference um, just making sure that you're mindful of everything that you're putting into or onto your body mm. um, so yeah, that's a huge first step, and then yeah, and then some. I guess some of the gut healing stuff that we'll maybe chat about can mm -hmm. can be a good first step as well. Mm -hmm. um, just quickly about water. Um, I'm just curious about like filtering systems. If you have just like a basic filter, is that mm -hmm. really doing much, or is it um, better to invest in something that you know is like hitting all of the mm -hmm. filtration? Yeah, so the, the, a basic water filter, uh, like some of the plastic water jugs or your fridge filter, isn't really doing the trick. Um, I usually would recommend something that's going to filter out um, heavy metals. It's, it's one of the things that we do find in traces in our um, water. And, uh, the, you know, in the past we used to think you would have to get like a really huge exposure to toxin to make you sick. But now we know that those low-level exposures mm -hmm. every day that will accumulate. Um, so yeah, I usually recommend a, a 
Berkey, the brand Berkey, uh, you can get these tabletop filters that you fill up and um, that'll filter everything out. Um, that's quite an affordable option. You can get them in different sizes. Um, and then the second thing you could do is a reverse osmosis system where that's where you've kind of got to drill it into the pipe and, and then it, um, it'll filter everything out. You can actually get whole home reverse osmosis, so that's great because it'll filter out shower, shower mm -hmm. water and drinking water and all that stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um, thank you. That's really good to hear. So is there something, is there something that people come to your clinic that you see a lot of? Like I know, um, autoimmune is a big one that we mm -hmm. just see a lot of in our society. And, uh, also we were talking about the innate immune system. So those things with Lyme and, um, those kinds of things. Can you kind of explain mm. the difference between autoimmune and innate immune and how that does link back to your gut? Sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the autoimmune, it's, uh, in functional medicine, we always talk about autoimmune. There's got to be some genetics for it. You've got to have a leaky gut and you've got to have a trigger for it mm. to develop. So, um, it doesn't just kind of come out of nowhere and we mm. always have to look at all, all three of those. Um, autoimmune is basically, uh, it's immune system kind of, um, usually with a, with a trigger, it's going to see something foreign. So either like a, a bug that's in the gut or it's a food or it's uh, a toxin mm -hmm. and your immune system sees that mm -hmm. as being a threat and it makes antibodies against it. But those antibodies, it, it sort of gets confused and starts to um, fight against your own tissue too. Um, and so there's a whole spectrum of that. Um, so uh, the, the issue with autoimmunity is that the gut, it, the leaky gut is essentially means that you've got these tight junctions in the gut uh, that are holding the cells together and protecting anything from coming through. We're only meant to filter through tiny little particles. Uh, but when the gut gets damaged, sometimes by gluten and other foods and these pesticides and things, uh, that gut, those tight junctions break down, the gut gets leaky. Um, then you start to kind of get things leaking through that are bigger and the immune system saying, whoa, this is isn't normal this is threatening so then it starts to make these antibodies and then it signals to all other parts of the body that something's out of whack and uh yeah and then those antibodies start to cause symptoms and issues mm. in different systems mm -hmm. um yeah the innate immune system is is kind of just our first line of defense against uh anything so you get exposed to a virus your innate immune system uh it gets heightened it does whatever it takes to try to get rid of that virus and then it passes it over to the adaptive side to make antibodies so that then you get exposed to the virus again and knows what to do with it. Um, a lot of the patients we see get stuck in the innate immune system side. It's, there's some genetics with that. And so you have this immune system that's really heightened and um, doesn't know how to switch itself off. Um, so in functional medicine, if we look at the, the immune system, the gut, the immune, and the brain are all in one system. And so normally when we're trying to treat the immune, we're going to treat the others at the same time. Hmm. Is that something that, like, is that a lot of what you see people coming in? Yeah. So, yeah, immune is, is huge. Like, we really do see, um, it, we, we, we see a lot of different uh, things that come in. Not only immune, we see a lot of brain health stuff. Um, so people with cognitive decline, we see... Um, lots of gut health stuff. So we, we see everything from just IBS to people with Crohn's and so autoimmune mm -hmm. gut stuff. Um, yeah, we see people with neurological disorders. So it's really a wide variety. We don't like to say we specialize in any one area because mm -hmm. functional medicine usually covers both of them. 
yeah. all of them. Can we talk a little bit about um, the mitochondria, like what it is, what's its mm -hmm. role, and how we can optimize its function? Yeah, sure. So yeah, the mitochondria is basically, um, it's a little uh, like factory in the cell that makes energy, it makes ATP. Um, and we actually inherit it from our maternal side oh, okay. um, only. Um, and what it's, yeah, so it's, its aim is just to make, make energy. And energy, if you think of energy, energy is function. And so when our mitochondria are not working well, we can get uh, loss of function in all systems of the body. Um, so, yeah, we, we can actually test that as well. We can test your Krebs cycle, which is how you make the energy. Um, and there's many different things that can dis disrupt the mitochondria and how they work. And uh, the, the first thing would be if you're um, nutrient deficient. Mm -hmm. So we need all those nutrients to actually make the energy. Um, sometimes we have toxins that actually poison the mitochondria. So that can be toxins I've mentioned before, or even some of the medications we prescribe, we know that they, they poison energy systems in the body. Um, and then, uh, yeah, also if, um, any type of inflammation, because if we've got inflammation in the body, our energy demand is really high. Mm -hmm. And so then it becomes kind of a supply and demand issue. Like, do you have enough resources to actually fight what's going on in the body? If that answers your question. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> just totally absorbing what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> I love it. I could listen to you talk all day. So then healing those mitochondria is that how would somebody even start to do that? I mean, is it just like that rest period so that the inflammation isn't the taking over spot of like everything you're doing? I don't know. Yeah, so we um, initially we use um, nutrient therapies and in many cases like um, intravenous nutrient therapies to kind of reboot and get the mitochondria going. Um, a lot of our patients that come in um, are so sick that their guts are not functioning too well. So then to go throw a bunch of supplements at the gut, mm. you might not actually get any benefit from it. So yeah, um, replacing the nutrients that are missing, which we can kind of individualize there from those um, nutrient panels that we do. And then also figuring out what are those underlying causes, like why, why are your mitochondria taking so much strain in the first place? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that process can, can take months for people to get back on track depending on on how sick they are yeah it's not that quick fix band-aid that a lot of people are looking for um yeah but well worth it did mm -hmm. you say in one of your workshops that it was just like detoxing isn't the first step to healing like you can't just throw a detox on that's just it can be too stressful for a body yeah most definitely like we, we've had a lot of patients that might have like had um like intravenous chelation therapies they've got like a lead lead body burden and they're getting chelation for it but they haven't really done any other foundational work um that lead's not going to come out and in fact it can make you more sick so you're mobilizing um toxins um and if you've got for example an unhealthy gut that our toxins come, come that's one of the main routes our toxins come out in, into the gut um your gut's unhealthy you're just going to kind of redistribute those toxins and and Just they can actually stay in your body. Stay in your body, yeah. So in in all cases, we always want to make sure your gut is healthy. We've built your nutrients right up, and then we also look in depth at your hormone systems because that's really your resilience. So we we build resilience before we detoxify. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If someone's not able to come in and get that testing done, and they're just at home, whether they're not ready or it's a cost thing or whatever it is. Um, what are some first steps to laying that foundation for them for healing the gut? Are there, aside mm -hmm. from like um, trying to get more in that parasympathetic nervous system yeah. uh, more often and those kinds of things, are there some more tangible 
Yeah, yeah. So we actually use the uh, something called the Five R Gut Healing Program. So the first R there is remove. Um, so remove is to remove um, food triggers. So doing um, an anti-inflammatory or elimination diet. Um, so and that usually with uh, eliminating foods, you want to always make sure it's at least it has to be at least three weeks. But usually we recommend uh, six weeks to three months. Um, the reason for that is it will take 21 days for your body to clear any antibodies that it's made against foods. Um, but you're going to have better uh, results if you do it for, for longer, basically. Mm -hmm. um, the, second, the, the second part of the remove is to remove bugs that are um, overgrowing in the gut. So that's sometimes hard to see without testing. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, that's a difficult one to answer because I don't like to recommend sort of blankets yeah. treatments yeah. or herbs for, for bugs and usually I'd recommend um, to try consult someone about that. Mm -hmm. um, the second R that we look at is replace. So replace is to replace um, stomach acid and uh, gallbladder function and pancreatic enzymes. So depending on what's going on with you, if you've got, say for example, your stools are like fatty or they're floating, that might mean you've got fat maldigestion. Uh, that often means you need gallbladder support. So you can even do that through uh, th through foods and through teas, like something like dandelion tea is really good for gallbladder. Um, and then we would also normally support uh, pancreatic function there with pancreatic enzymes. Um, for uh, anyone who's having sort of bloating that's delayed, we usually like a couple of hours after a meal. Uh, one of the things that can cause that is pancreas isn't working well, so digestive enzyme with every meal is useful for that. Um, and then... Because HCL decreases as we get older, or is there a certain age where we start to lose that? Yeah, so that, um, so what I was mentioning now is more pancreatic. Mm -hmm. um, HCL is, so that's hydrochloric acid, that's yeah. stomach acid. Um, and that's, yeah, that you're spot on with that. Um, HCL, we, you're, over the age of 50, you're almost always going to kind of have a decrease in that. Yeah. Um, if you've got mitochondrial issue, you won't make HCL well. Mm. Um, if you're stressed out, you won't make HCL. If you've taken any medications that block acid, so our antacids are PPI medications that'll interesting yeah decrease hcl that's almost like counterintuitive it's like here you have heartburn or you have a stomach problem from eating whatever here's your mm -hmm. antacid but that's just really digging a deeper hole yeah so that's kind of t one of the things that conventional medicine and functional integrative are like complete opposites with um yeah it's it's all about low stomach acid and building it if you think of stomach acid as your it's like your first line of digestion so if you're not breaking down proteins in that first line of digestion, you're getting food going through to the gut that's partly digested. You're not going to absorb your nutrients. You're going to feed all of those bad bugs. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we're all about replacing stomach acid. Um, the only uh, reasons not that you wouldn't do it is if you've got, like, an active stomach ulcer. Or right. you have. So there's some people that do need to be on PPIs for yeah. long term if they've got, um, like, a Barrett's esophagus or any any real good medical indication but mm -hmm. the problem with the PPIs medications is that we're we're giving them chronically to too many people mm -hmm. um, they're only meant to be used for a month or two mm -hmm. yeah. sorry so I interrupted the, so that was third. we did third we did third yeah no we did yeah so two, is two we're on we're on three okay yeah pancreas so, we just touched on yeah pancreas we touched on and then yeah I mentioned the gallbladder okay yeah, yeah and then the stomach acid HCL so that you can, I mean, you can replace that even even things like putting lemon into your water and sipping on that or taking some apple cider vinegar with your meals. 
Um, we do also use supplements for it, uh, so actually taking HCL. Um, that's it's pretty safe to do it. You just want to um, make sure that you so you would take one HCL with every meal. Um, and if you get any type of discomfort or heartburn with it, you you'll stop it right away um, and and not take it again. And um, if you feel okay taking one, you'd actually go up to two. Some people need three or four with every meal. Ah. You take it with every meal. Um, and that's not lifelong for everyone. Um, for a lot of people, uh, we can get them off the HCL. Some people do need it for mm -hmm. long term. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's continue with the R's. The R's. Um, so yeah, the third R is uh, re-inoculate, and that's putting in the good bugs. So um, yeah, probiotics is a is a huge field on its own, mm -hmm. um, and we, we're still kind of trying to get understanding on uh, on what it's all about. Um, but uh, the best way actually to replace the good bugs is through food. So prebiotic foods, um, that's kind of your starchy foods, um, asparagus, artichoke, uh, some of your starchy vegetables. Um, those actually give your good bugs the means to actually grow and, and uh, yeah, to have a good, robust gut. Mm -hmm. um, probiotics we use therapeutically for certain conditions, so sometimes it depends on what's going on with you, what we would use. Mm -hmm. um, but those really, probiotics really don't have a, like, prolonged effect once you've stopped them your gut usually will revert back um, so yeah we recommend them in some cases and uh, in some cases in some gut health issues we don't recommend them like if you've got bacterial overgrowth for right. example we might not recommend it right away yeah mm -hmm. that makes sense mm -hmm. okay re-inoculate and then the fourth R is repair yeah so if uh, so for example if you uh, if you're celiac and you take gluten out of your diet uh, but you don't help the gut to repair um, often people don't feel better and the gut actually doesn't repair itself. So mm. sometimes we need to help, help it to do that. Um, there's many different things you can use for that. Um, and that often is going to depend on what else is going on with, on with you. Uh, but some basic things you could do, uh, things like fish oils repair the gut, um, vitamin D does, vitamin A, um, L-glutamine, which is just a protein. It, that's really, really good at repairing the gut lining. Um, yeah, using things like collagen can be useful to repair the gut. Um, there's really a long list of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but those are great starters, I think. Mm -hmm. for Lots that are yeah within people's power to actually make part of their daily life. I think that's those are great tools. Is if someone's coming to see you um, or another functional medicine doctor, would they work um, in conjunction with maybe their family practitioner, or is it usually just they come to you and and, and yeah. that's it? Um, I always like it if the family practitioner is wanting to be on board and be involved, but it's not always the case. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's as a, I think all uh, GPs are, we're all trying to do the best that we can with the knowledge we have, and not everyone is trained in this stuff, so they don't always understand it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, a lot of patients do just work with us alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Michelle, I... Um we kind of have to wrap this up and I don't want to. <laughs> I, is there any like piece of advice that you can give to people that really feel like hopeless in terms of like not knowing um, what first steps to take, or maybe they are really involved with a current practitioner in the treatment plan right now and maybe feel like they need to switch or like how, what kind of, I don't know, parting words can you leave of confidence for people to have of, taking control of their health. I think something Lex and I always talk about is like, we, you're your own best doctor. And I think you have to take confidence in knowing that you have the tools and the resources to find like your care. And that can mean 
going to a few different people mm-hmm. until obviously they find someone like you do. But um, yeah, when people feel really desperate with how to heal, what what can mm-hmm. we offer? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like at the end of the day, our, our bodies are like really intelligent and we just need to give them the right tools to actually heal themselves. Like, and you know, it's at, at this in this day and age, it's like, it literally is the best time to be sick in some ways because of the amount of information that's out mm-hmm. there. Um, so, you know, as starting points, like uh, people could go to our website and check out, we've got some blogs and on health information there. Um, we do have a bunch of workshops that we starting to run. Um, the gut health one that I've done a couple of times, we're definitely going to be doing that again. Nice, nice. Um, so that, yeah, just to look out for that. And uh, yeah. And then I think just part of it is, just sticking to the basics hey like some of the mm. stuff we mentioned like managing your stress as as a number one um and then yeah reaching out to people for support and mm-hmm. yeah it's I, yeah i'm not i'm not really sh- sure like um how else to i think you said <laughs> it though it's like your body is a very intelligent being yeah. and it wants to be it wants to be in balance it does yeah we're so our bodies are so complex in nature but at the same time it's very simple what it needs to thrive and be well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we obviously just touched on the gut but if you are having um, any neurological hormone detox heart vitality um, energy or even just that mind body spirit um, questions or pieces we really invite you to go to lynnmurfin.com and and explore more on their website and get in touch um, with Dr. Michelle and yeah, really just explore that next step in your, your life because you're not, it's never too late. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to probably mention, that's okay. Sorry. Is <laughs> no, that you we, go yeah, on. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, we do actually, we do, we do have uh, nutritionists and health coaches on our staff too. So the health coaching packages are like incredible because you, you purchase like a five session and uh, we actually have, something called nudge coach that we use which is an app that the health coach will back and forth with you and make sure that you're meeting all of your goals oh, nice. oh, um so, so super super motivational yes. way to get into it and sometimes you just need that yeah. kind of partner in crime to absolutely yeah, help you through it so yeah nice thank you yeah it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you and uh, if we could take up any more of your time we would but think we'll wrap it up today thank you so much for speaking with us thanks guys always fun to chat to you thank you